chapter 1 really is where the Christmas season begins. I realize it took place about nine months prior. But it's here where Mary received uh, news that would change the world. And I wonder tonight, or this morning, I wonder if... I wonder if we're too busy to hear God speak to us. Or I wonder if God were to speak to us with impossible with an impossible message what our response would be. I was preparing for this message, and I was thinking about our teenagers. You know, tonight is our teen takeover service. The teens are going to help with the worship. They're going to help with the offering. They're going to sing a special. Young men are going to preach tonight. I want our teenagers to know that God can use you right where you are today. You don't have to be a grown adult with all kinds of responsibilities to be used of God. You don't have to have all the answers to be used to the Lord. You just have to be willing, you know. We live in a world and all of us can say we can be too busy at times. And even when we're busy, a lot of times we we like to have background noise. Because some, some reason we like to run away from the silence. But are we listening to God speak? A.W. Tozer said that God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. You know, when it's impossible, only God can do it. Right? But we don't like to get to that place. Because when it becomes impossible, we have to take our hands off of it. And that's a scary place for us to be. But God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. Tozer went on to say, what a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. And why do we do that? We do that because that's comfort. We like to be comfortable. We like to be in a comfort zone. We like to be in a place where we're not uneasy. But if that's the only place we ever are, I'm afraid that we're missing, we're missing out on God doing something extraordinary. Because God loves to do things with people, through people, that only he can get the glory for. And that's why he likes to use weak vessels. That's why he likes to use people that everyone else looks at and says, "Ah, how how can God use them? That's, That's a perfect candidate. There's nothing special about Mary 
other than she was just a young woman, young teenage girl, who said, God's will be done. Our text in Luke chapter 1, it concerns one of the most fundamental doctrines of our faith. And that is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It's a fundamental doctrine. It is a miraculous mystery in how God could become 100% man while at the same time being 100% God. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, because God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Can we explain it? No, it's a mystery. But it is something that we receive by faith. For God to do the impossible, he sought to accomplish this miracle through the willing life of a humble nobody. Now there's a lot of, there's some division on what, how old people think Joseph was at the time. But everyone agrees that Mary was just a teenage Jewish girl who became the central focus of our text and the recipient of a most incredible message that begins in verse 26. And that's how God chooses to speak to us. God chooses to deliver a message to us. In verse 26, the vessel that he used was the angel Gabriel. A lot of times he'll speak to us, Lynn, when we're sitting in our living room and just reading his word. And he'll use the Holy Spirit to enlighten something in his word that is just for us. Sometimes he'll use the, he'll use the preacher. And he'll highlight something that is said. Sometimes he'll do it and You'll come to me and say, this is how God used you to speak to my heart. And I'll I'll walk away thinking, how did you get that from what I said? But God can do that. I remember when God called me to become a pastor. I was sitting on the front row. And my pastor was preaching a message from the book of Ezra. And it, it wasn't a point in his message, but it was something that God used him to say that highlighted a significant passage of Scripture in Ezra, and God used it to change my heart. And I went to the altar before the service, before even invitation came, I came forward because God was doing a work in my life. God sends a messenger. The messenger may be different for all of us, But he sends something that he wants to, and it may just be a still, small voice, but he is speaking to us directly because, Jeff, he has something for you in this point in your life. And it may be as small 
as giving somebody a $5 bill at the gas station. Or it may be something big that he's asking you to step out on faith. But God wants to speak to us. And we need to have ears to listen. Verse 26, Mary received a message from a divine messenger. The angel who was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Gabriel's appearance early in the chapter to Zacharias, Mary's, whose wife Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, he appeared to him in the, in the temple as he was burning incense. And that was the first time in 400 years that man had heard from God. There was a period of silence of 400 years when Zacharias heard the word of the Lord concerning John the Baptist. And now six months later, Gabriel appears to Mary with an even more astonishing revelation. I want us to see in verses 28 and 29 that the the divine message was, the incredible message was delivered to a disturbed maiden. Unlike Zacharias in verse 12 of chapter 1, who, who was troubled when he saw the angel of the Lord, Mary was troubled concerning what he said. Says in verse 28 that the angel came in into her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She She was troubled, BJ, because she did not see herself as a highly favored individual. She's just a teenage girl living in a small village in the northern part of Israel in the region called Galilee. She didn't come from a wealthy family, and yet this divine messenger shows up and says, Hell thou, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Unlike the beliefs of certain religious systems, though it says that she was highly favored, does not state that she was perfectly holy and set above all believers. To be highly favored meant that she was a recipient of grace and endued with a special honor. God was calling her to something that was impossible. He had picked her of all women to show his favor upon. We know that she wasn't above everyone else because she was, one, troubled by such a greeting, and two, she stated her need as a, for a Savior herself in verse 47 of this chapter. 
Yet I want to highlight this because I think it is important for us to know. It's from verse 28 that the most well-known prayer of the Roman Catholic Church originates. Known as the Ave Maria, this memorized prayer is prayed to the Holy Mother Mary asking her to make intercession for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. I want you to see on the screen this morning that according to the fundamentals of Catholic dogma written by Roman Catholic theologian Ludwig Ott, he wrote, since Mary's assumption into heaven, no grace is conferred on man without her actual intercessory cooperation. In other words, she is the mediator between God and man. Now, I want to point that out this morning. Because the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The only individual that we have access to God through is Jesus Christ. And the only one that we pray to in Jesus' name, who is, who is our advocate before God, who is our intercessor before the Father, is Jesus. Mary is a blessed woman, and God chose to do through her an important miracle that we are all blessed by. But God never puts her on a pedestal. So that she is our Savior. I don't want us to get through a Christmas season without understanding that. It is Jesus whom we're saved by grace through faith. In verses 30 through 33, the message reveals to us the Messiah. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. The angel recognizes that she's troubled by this salutation and he seeks to comfort her and he tells her to fear not. And he encourages her the fact that she has found favor with God. And he goes on in verse 31 and says, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. There are hundreds of prophecies concerning the coming of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 7 verse 14 sticks out in this passage because Isaiah prophesied that a virgin was going to conceive. And that is how, is through that vessel that the Messiah would come. And Gabriel is delivering that divine message to this very humble young lady. He says, don't be afraid. 
God has blessed you and God is going to do a miracle through you. He is going to fulfill his word through you and give a savior unto the world. <clears throat> Secondly, we see that in this passage, we see it's significant because of it. The message is significant because it's delivered to an impossible mother. We start in verse 26 talking about where, she's, where the angel Gabriel came. He was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That's where Mary lived. Palestine was divided into three general regions. You have Judea to the south, Hebron, that area is there. You have Samaria in the middle, and you have Galilee to the north, and Galilee extends from Mount Hermon down south to Mount Carmel and Mount Gilboa, and it, it ranges east to west from the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. <coughs> In 1 Kings chapter 9, Solomon had offered a tract of this land to Hiram of Tyre as a repayment for his help in building Solomon's temple. But Hiram declined it, calling it the land of Cable, which meant it was good for nothing. He saw nothing significant about that land. In that good-for-nothing land sat a small village known as Nazareth. And we get a good idea of the reputation of Nazareth as Philip proclaimed to Nathaniel in John 1 and verse 45. He, he goes to him and he says, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip is excited. We have found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel who it's worthy to note, is also from Galilee in a little town called Cana where Jesus performed this first miracle. But Nathaniel, when he first heard this news, he responded, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nobody thought anything about Nazareth. Nobody would have thought anything about Mary, but God thought a great deal about her. Nazareth was the hometown of Joseph and Mary and following the birth of Christ in Bethlehem and a trek down to Egypt, Mary and Joseph would return to Nazareth where Jesus would remain until manhood. And at that time, at the time that Jesus dwelled there, it's believed that the city only had a population of a couple hundred. Today, there's about 80,000 live there. And we, uh, when in our trip to Israel, we didn't go into Nazareth, but we drove by the city. What's interesting is that 69% of the population today are Muslim. Matter of fact, Nazareth is known as the Muslim, the Arab capital of Israel. A lot of people wouldn't thought much about Nazareth, but God did. A lot of people wouldn't thought about much about this young teenage girl, but God did. Verse 27, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Can I just say this real quick? 
before we move on to verse 34? God wants to use all of us. But we can disqualify ourselves from how God uses us. Mary, as a teenage girl, could have got involved in sin and she could have disqualified herself. And God could not perform the miracle that he chose to do through her. Don't ever think that the sin that you want to commit is a private sin and it doesn't affect anyone. You'd never know how that private sin will affect your future. Are you with me? God wants to do wonders through us. And all of us need to put ourselves in a place, in a position, that whatever God wants to do, God has the opportunity to do it. But if it's not with us, he'll find someone else. I don't know about you, I don't want God to find someone else. If God wants to do a miracle through me, I want to be, I want to be used of the Lord. Right? Thirdly, we see that the message was delivered in an inconceivable manner in verse 34. Typically, when God is going to do something big that involves the family... He not only speaks to the one whom he is directing, he also leads the spouse. That's not always the case. But oftentimes he moves the hearts of both individuals. Mary has delivered a message that will also have a huge impact upon Joseph. And it will require incredible faith from each of them. And understandably, both had questions in verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Zacharias in verse 18, when he heard the message that <coughs> Elizabeth was going to have a child, he, he, said, he said, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. He looked, at, he looked at the message without faith. He, he needed a sign. He needed something that would help him to go forward. Mary, on the other hand, she just didn't understand exactly what God was going to do. But it's not that she doubted that God could do it. She, asked, she was just uncertain. How shall this be? I know not a man. How, how, how is it possible for me to have a child? We also, in Matthew chapter 1, if you, if you don't mind, hold your place here and turn over to Matthew 1. We see Joseph's concern was how, how could this be without her knowing a man? He thought the same thing. It's impossible. Something's not adding up. In Joseph's mind, something's not adding up. Mary can't hide the fact that she's pregnant. 
And the man that she's espoused to suddenly recognizes this. And Mary can tell her all she wants to, you know. She can say, well, I, I know it's hard to believe and, and it's difficult to explain, but I promise you I've done nothing wrong. God is doing a miracle through me. And all of us would look at you like you're crazy. It's impossible. And that's how Joseph felt. He's very concerned in verse 1 of Matthew, or verse 18 of Matthew 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. He knew what would happen if she was made a public example. And he loved her. But he wasn't okay with this. And so he's trying to figure out the best option of how to get out of this because things aren't adding up here. While you're here in Matthew 1, let's go ahead and see the answer, the miraculous answer that God gave to Joseph. But while he thought on these things in verse 20, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. All he needed was a word from the Lord. And now he was on board. Go back to Luke 1 and verse 35 and we see the answer that the angel gave to Mary. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now that's the answer. And I'm still going to look at that and say, Okay. Still not going to have a full understanding of what, exactly what is God about to do. But Landon, we don't have to understand it all. We just got to believe that God can. And if it's God's word, and we know it is God's will, then we just have to put ourselves in a place where we say, Here am I, Lord. In verse 36, the angel offered some reassuring support. He offered some practical encouragement and he says, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is also called barren. She, she, she knew about Elizabeth's situation. Elizabeth wanted to have a child for years but was unable. Now when she's too old to have a child, God gives her one. Through Elizabeth's example, that is an encouragement. If God can do a miracle through Elizabeth... God can do a miracle through me. In verse 37, the Lord offers 
inspirational encouragement. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. With man, it can be impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Do you believe that? Well, then let's pray at the end of the service. God put me in a place where it's impossible. Could you imagine if all of us said, Lord, put me in a place, put me in a position where you can do the impossible. That's scary to me. I'm not going to lie. But what if God did a miracle through each of us? Wouldn't that be a testimony time? Go back to Matthew 1, and he offered Joseph some spiritual support. He said in verse 22, Providing a fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. He says, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You could put beside verse 23 a reference to Isaiah 7, 14. The Lord offered practical encouragement he had, he had, she had someone she could touch and feel that God was doing a miracle with. That's practical encouragement. Practical encouragement is when I'm going through a difficult time, somebody's standing there beside me. You with me? You, you can't fix it, but your presence encourages me. You can't fix it, but your testimony of how God's worked in your life encourages me. That's practical encouragement. Inspirational encouragement is this. With God, nothing's impossible. That inspires me. That if I trust the Lord, you know what? I don't understand it. And it's difficult and it's hard. But it just might be that God is going to get some amazing glory out of this. That he draws people to himself and, and, and people get saved that otherwise would not happen if I don't go through this. And then he offers scriptural support. When I'm in the word of God and I'm reading, and you're wondering what is going on in your life, and then, and then as you're reading, or the Lord just reveals something in there and he highlights it, and it's almost as if he put that in there just for you today. And that encourages you to go forward and put your faith in him. Lastly, we see in this text an inspiring meekness in verse 38 of Luke 1. Both Joseph and Mary, they wholly surrendered to the Lord, to the Lord's will with a meek and a humble spirit that glorified God and uplifted his word. After all this, verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. 
be it according to thy word. Lord, let your word be fulfilled. Your word, your will be done. Here am I. In Matthew 1, in verse 24 and 25, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took a name his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. But let's not misunderstand something, all right? Because I think a lot of times we read the Bible and we're encouraged by people's faith. To the point that we almost think it was easy for them. We think that because we know what happens. We don't think the time where God revealed it to them and they had to make a decision to be obedient, to step out on faith, or the thought process as they were going through all of that that we have all the time. Lord, if I do this, A, B, C, D, and E is going to happen. We look at it and we think, okay, Mary just says, okay, Lord, thy will be done. And it's just as easy as that right there. We think, you know, well, God's offered us to be a part of a miracle. Certainly, we want to be a part of a miracle. But what if that means your child is in a hospital and the doctor says there's no hope? Who wants to go through that? Because understand, Keelan, to get to a place where it's only God means it gets to a place where it cannot possibly be us. That, that we have that we have gone every avenue that we could possibly think of and make it work out, and nothing works, so that we get to a place now where it is God or nothing. I don't care how strong your faith is. That's a scary place to be. Consider this. When they agreed to this, they had to know that they would be ostracized from their small community. We all know what it's like to live in a small town. Something happens and the word spreads like wildfire. Everybody knows about it. And everybody, they don't always talk about the good things, but everybody likes to talk about the bad things. And all of a sudden, here comes Mary, and Mary's showing a little bit. Oh, somebody's been up to no good. And people start to talk, and people start to snicker. In a very religious community, people are suddenly going to say, stay away from that young girl. And what is wrong with Joseph? Joseph had to take on the pointed fingers as if he was involved in it. His only involvement is, that's going, that's going to be his wife. And he's going to walk her through it and lead her to Bethlehem. 
They would be talked about. They would be despised and considered wicked. Undoubtedly, stories would be made up concerning them. Their lives would be forever impacted by the course that God had set them on. Physically, emotionally, culturally, they would face enormous challenges. Yet they accepted God's calling with a gentle and gracious spirit and together went on to accomplish the Lord's will for their life and God would use their faith to impact the world for eternity. Why? Because with God nothing shall be impossible. God may lead you down a path that the rest of us is saying, I don't know if that's God's will. God may lead you down a path where we're going to question and we're going to think that there's something wrong with you. But it just might be that God is encouraging you and directing you in a way that only God can get the glory for. And before we get too far, our Savior... who is to be born of a virgin, placed in that lowly manger, grew up in Nazareth, performed miracle after miracle, was later crucified and nailed to a cross. Why? Because he was doing the will of God. And God was doing through him something that only God can do. I want us to consider two things. I'm done. Just like with Mary, God had a specific message. God has a specific message and purpose for each of us. I want to ask us this morning, are we listening? Do you ever just sit down in a quiet room, open your Bible, and say, okay, Lord, I'm listening. Do you ever just sit outside on a bench and just sit there and say, Lord, I'm listening? I think we're in the mess we are in the world today because God's people aren't listening. And if we're willing to listen, are we going to be willing to respond? God's capability, the second thing is God's capability and His will is not limited to only what we consider possible. He's not limited to our boundaries. To us, it can see, it can seem unbelievable, impossible, a mountain too big to climb. But nothing's too big for the Lord. And I go back to where we begin the service. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him.
God wants to do wonders. He wants to do wonders through me. He wants to do wonders through you. He wants to do things that draws people to himself and say, you know what, maybe there is a God. Maybe there is something about this Christianity. Maybe there is something about this faith. Maybe there is something real about all this. If we're not listening, what are we doing? Could we as a church pray today? Lord, I'm listening. And if you want to perform a miracle in my life, that it puts me in a scary, uncomfortable place. But if it'll give you the glory, here I am. That's when we'll see how real our faith is. May God do extraordinary things through us. We've got to put ourselves in a position where he can. Let's bow our heads.